0: Welcome Never back into hour not two not of not RSVP not with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. This of course is the show where we hit all the trending topics, press, entertainment, sports, lifestyle, and culture. Hour two, we're gonna get into some things as we always do. As I mentioned, we're gonna talk a little Barack and Michelle, and Michelle says that they should not be your couple's goals, and I maintain that people have unrealistic views of what goals is or about relationships I think and continuing with the theme of the night I'm blaming social media slightly used to be movies and TV now it's that so listen back really quickly to uh, you know we didn't really talk about Jonathan Majors we talked about Gabrielle Union having a couple of jokes well one person who does not appreciate Jonathan Majors say that he is looking for his Coretta and that, um, you know, that's what the woman in his life should live up to, is Dr. Bernice King. She is the daughter of Coretta Scott King and Martin Luther King Jr. And she said that my mother wasn't a prop, be clear. She said my mother wasn't a prop. She was a peace advocate before she met my father and was instrumental in him speaking out against the Vietnam War. Please understand, my mama was a force. So basically, she's saying, keep my mama's name out your mouth. Don't be trying to compare your work to my mom. And I I, I do think that, well, one, he should have stopped using the line so much and just left it as it was and just, you know, maybe said, I want a woman to have traits of greatness and, you know, something along those lines. But uh, continuing to use it, not good, Jonathan. does not work. Andy? <laughs> I don't want
1: to dismiss her feelings. I can understand, you know, being sensitive, people talking about your mom or whatnot. But to say that, to reference it as he was using uh, Coretta Scott King's name as a prop
0: no 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 i don't think that's what she's saying what is she saying then? i think that she is implying that the women that he you know because remember this conversation started before all of this public outcry i think she isn't well i think i could be wrong she's implying that he's using megan as a prop and calling her you know his Coretta, because you know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, he's with a white woman," then he went and got with Megan, and now he's all, you know, the white woman. You know, I would have been shot if I was chasing her, and you know, the white woman took me down a little bit, taking a little bit of the manosphere talking points and utilizing him.
1: I agree, he should stop, you know, referring to his significant others as Coretta or whatever. But even the prop thing, I just think is, I'm not, I'm not a. I'm not a fan of that because I don't I don't view it that way. Okay, and maybe 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 I'm a man I can understand what he's implying by saying that it's not a prop. It's just I admire this woman. I admire, like you said, I admire the traits. Like I know what he meant when he said
0: that. I think I mean, like, and I feel mean, like y'all. everyone did. You know, they're just. I think one the idea that he had the sort of audacity in some ways. Not that realistically, great people. You don't have to dial them down to just race, but we understand why it is important and why we hold our, you know, icons and legends near and dear to our heart and want to protect the image of them. But, you know, in, in theory, telling someone to ascribe to the traits, like she mentioned that her mother had in just what she said, isn't a bad thing, no matter who the woman is. But I get it because, you know, he was making a speech. It wasn't like a bit much in the moment because, bruh, you're telling this young girl who you're trying to get to stop being drunk and who you say dabbles in other things and is erratic and violent and get her to understand that she should be Coretta. Coretta already was, to her daughter's point, in that mindset when she was much Not much younger, but, you know, it was a different time. So the things that she took on, people forget how young Martin Luther King Jr. was when he was assassinated. He was only 38, and they had been married for a while. So I get your point, Andy. I feel you, and I understand, because it is the traits and goals, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think, you know, a lot of people feel like that the situation, and it might not be, but people feel like, it could be, you know, a PR move. What, the statement? Um, No, the relationship. Oh, with Megan Good? I mean, yeah, yeah you I know, get I'm going that. To get, I get that. You know, but.
1: I mean, didn't Megan say we were spiritually married? Did she, she say that? That's what she said, right? Did she talk about sure. this last
0: night? Did I tell? Ta- I don't remember saying spiritually. Okay. Did she say that? I,
1: I heard somewhere where <laughs> she
0: might have said that. I might have missed that. Like, it's possible.
1: Real, Megan. I don't
0: know. It. You know, Megan put up a video of her working out in the gym. She looked beautiful as ever, getting it in, shredding. And of course, all the comments were full of get it, Coretta? You guys are mean. I need you to stop. Okay. Give us a break. Be nice. Listen, when we come forward, we're going to get into Michelle Obama's comments about she and Barack are not your couple's goals. And we're going to talk about that, plus more trending topics and headlines. You're locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: RSVP with Jill Monroe is your go-to show for staying in the know. More engaging conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. 1580.
0: You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So on a recent podcast, Howie Mandel's podcast, Raven Simone and her wife were guests, right? And Raven's wife jokingly said that she got Raven to fall in love with her by putting... Her pad in her pasta sauce. Now, Raven said that she has a little Creole in her. And we all know, we have all heard that tale about menstrual blood in the sauce and it makes the person fall in love with you. You know, Raven... You must be really comfortable to let your wife make those jokes like that, because black people generally don't play about the voodoo stuff or whatever. I don't know. I think they're an interesting couple. They seem to have interesting humor. It's a lot of self-depreciate. Well, I guess it's not self-depreciating, but they kind of joke on each other or whatever. But they seem to really be into it. But sometimes I don't know. Can be a little cringe. But I guess that's you know podcasting with a couple. So um, my advice though. You know, Raven, all of us home is going to be not that they already haven't been, but they're going to have some questions because, um, you know, and Raven even started joking and said, "I do love her pasta sauce. I do ask for it frequently, so I don't know. maybe the tricks of the trade are out there working, okay, so obviously, everyone has love for our former former president, Barack Obama, and his wife Michelle." We followed them, we followed their children, their love story, we bought their books, we got, you know, into all of that with them. And we know couples goals is a big thing. Everyone wants to, you know, put who they think their couples goals are, and then they feel really let down when something happens, the relationship, the couples break up, or you know, some type of other thing that happens within life um, or they find out one of the people in the relationship isn't the individual who they thought it was. And so they're disappointed and let down. But I do wonder when the expectation came that relationships are going to be perfect, that if someone loves you, they're never going to make a mistake. They're never going to mess up. That seems unrealistic and you know of course no one's saying you should stay for bad treatment but i think people have to get real around what it takes to make relationships grow right so michelle said that she's aware that their relationship appears picture perfect picture perfect but that she knows that marriage is two things you know hard And that it requires a lot of commitment for it to work and she said that um you know recently she was on jay shetty's podcast and she shared that 31 years that's the anniversary that they'll have coming up in october of this year she said in your relationship you hit some natural and understandably rough patches and you want to quit Over the span of a 30-year marriage, yes, you cobble together enough arguments, and you've got a decade, and that's just the way that it goes. But you don't quit on it. You learn from it, and that's what sustaining a relationship is. It's the choice to figure it out and not to quit when it gets hard. She adds, we've made a lot of mistakes. We've gotten it wrong, and after 31 years, we're getting better at it, but I wouldn't trade my marriage for anything in the world with all the ups and downs. You know, she said that she does not want people looking at them as couple goals and not to know that there's some broken things that have happened in even the best of marriages, no matter what it looks like from the outside. You know, we all know that when she released her book Becoming, a lot of people were kind of in an uproar when she shared that there was a good period of time when she didn't like Barack And I think that that is just the reality of a relationship. Do you like anybody all the time? Be real with yourself. Things happen. And, you know, you just have to grow together. Hope that your goals remain aligned and, um, you know, can make it work and come together. So I think that's important because... We all love our couples' goals. But I really think, like, I know when I say couples' goals, it might be, you know, just it could be their overall vibe, but I think any logical person recognizes that there's going to be ups and downs. I don't think that people really, well, I hope, they're not really looking for, A relationship that's not going to have any trials and tribulations that's unrealistic and that's life and compromise is a part of it so good luck out there it's rough in these streets well I guess it's rough everywhere because if you're in a relationship you're probably not in the streets unless at any rate listen I don't know if you've heard this story but this is very strange to me and I kind of don't understand what is happening with the owners of this particular building that they are fighting against this. So here's what happened. There's a New York synagogue, and on Monday night, members refused to leave the building because there apparently is a secret tunnel that runs underground and connects the synagogue to a building that is next door, right? And so the the members of the synagogue were like trying to fight to stop it from happening from the, the city basically wants to close the tunnel up and cut it off, right? And so It got violent, it got chaotic, and it ended up with a bunch of the members being arrested. This happened in Crown Heights. They ordered a cement truck to fill up the tunnels. Reports began pouring in sometime in 2023 from neighbors. One homeowner even called the police about suspicious noises in the neighborhood and a construction project around the same time that they were coming to install new plumbing found the tunnels right and the city and many were worried that the building stability was questionable because you know underneath the foundation there are these secret tunnels what i don't understand is why are you fighting to keep them open like what are you secretly transporting through there that it's so important that you're willing to go to jail For the tunnels not to be closed up. And it's a safety hazard. I don't know. People are wilding out in 2024. I don't understand getting into a fight with the police and going jail over a secret tunnel. Sounds freaky. Sounds like some other. I'm not saying that something else was going on in there. We don't know that be perfectly innocent. They might just want their building not to be touched. But sounds scary to me. I probably have watched too much TV. Therefore, I am going to assume the worst in situations like that. Sounds like um, maybe not a lifetime movie, but some movie that is waiting to happen and it involves kidnapping and things of that nature. Well, we have an update for you. After two years of separation... Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa have finally cleared their divorce. They announced yesterday that they were, you know, officially filing, and today the divorce case is settled. I'm not sure what their home state is. I know in California, you need to be legally separated for I think it's six months before you can officially file for a divorce and divorce be granted. So I guess, you know, they probably already, it feels like, well, they said they've been separated for two years because I thought the divorce officially happened, but I guess maybe it was on its way and then something happened and Jason had to move back in on Lisa's property, but they're always going to be friends and co-parent. That's beautiful. Good luck to them in that. Listen, All things change okay so you know California right we lead the wave we are the state that you know has the best privacy laws protection laws things of that nature well there's a new law that is going into effect and it is starting this July and it's about nightclubs and bars basically (laughs) The law is AB1013, and it will require that all bars and nightclubs keep a, basically, a roofie testing kit, you know, to test for things like rohypnol, that's what a roofie is, or GHB or ketamine, because people slip those into drinks and, you know, take advantage of them. So the bill was passed, and according to it, All business owners must offer to sell these kits to their customers at a cost not to exceed a reasonable amount based on the wholesale cost of those devices. So in other words, no charging $100 for these kits or they have to offer them for free. And they also have to have signage in all the facilities that read, don't get roofied drink spiking drug test kits available here. Ask a staff member for details. So the law goes into effect July 1st of this year, and it will be repealed on January 1st of 2027, unless reinstated. So um, I think that's a good thing. I don't... Is that something that still actively happens a lot? I thought... Well, not I thought. I shouldn't say that. But I don't know. It. it I know it was extremely is popular even the right word to use something that happened quite a bit but it doesn't seem like something that has been in the news a lot lately but maybe i've missed it so the kits will also include a straw a sticker and a strip to detect the date rate drugs in any of your drink right so according to the office of women's health there was a study that was done from 2010 to 2012, and they said that 11 million people reported being raped or assaulted while intoxicated, drunk, drugged, or high. I think it is a little um, interesting that they chose to, I'm assuming by drugged they mean that they were drugged and not Utilizing a drug. that That's kind of my question with this because I don't know. And I suppose it generally happens with those things when there's alcohol involved. But I don't know. It just seems weird to me to include in that study regular legal types of inebriation and include date rape studies. I don't know. That just seems a little strange to me. I would like to see the numbers separated out. But they utilized a group of 6,000 students at three colleges. 500 of them reported being drugged before. And um, they also found that 83% of those surveyed said that, this is crazy to me, they had drugged someone else. What schools were they (laughs) chatting with? I just want to know. So apparently here in California, again, proving my own self wrong with my notes, last August, August of 2023, there was a huge amount of GHB that was seized in San Francisco. According to police and KRON, which is a station in the Bay, they uncovered 3.5 kilos of GHB being smuggled in through a nail salon. And that is more than enough for 3,500 doses. So I don't know. What is wrong? Do you guys just not know how to talk to people? I, I don't understand if the generation is at the same time not having sex and not wanting to see sex on TV, but they want to drug people in order to have sex. It's all very confusing to me. Okay, so listen. We're going to do a hard pivot here. It's going to be a rough one, but ride with me. We're going to talk a little hip-hop. So, of course, we just came off the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. And we heard a lot of commentary, a lot of comparison, a lot of lists. We revisited a lot of... You know, old school artists looked at what should be where, what counts as transformative, what stood the test of time, what did not, etc., cetera, et cetera, Well, Pete Rock, I don't know if you're familiar with Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. They had a hit back in the day, Troy. They reminisce over you, a couple other things, and Pete Rock is also a producer. So he says that chasing the money has ruined hip-hop, that the bag... Has become the problem. He said that they should change music to WTF. They're trying to create a narrative that ain't working. Pile driving the culture straight to the ground, we created real history. I don't know what the heck, he didn't say heck, I did, they are creating today, but it sure ain't history or hip hop. That's a fact. He also says that we lost our integrity by chasing the money. The bag, as they say, has become the problem and the focal point in the culture. It makes it corny when all y'all make it about money. Everyone is extra sensitive about opinions. Soon as you have an opinion, you're a hater. Automatically. Clown stuff. We're all out here working to make better music. Why don't you try and do the same? So you know that's just a general assessment of hip-hop thought it was interesting we'll talk more about that on the other side you're locked in to rsvp with jill monroe here on kbla talk 1580 news and sports that's up next welcome back in to hour two of rsvp with jill monroe here on kbla talk 1580 You know, as I was sitting there listening to that, that's what, Gangstar, Nice and Smooth, and who else? It's that Dwick? Is that what that's called? Okay. Um, And he said the year in the song right there, 92. So, um, what is that, 32 years ago? Wow. So, the thing that I was sitting there thinking about, other than, wow, lyrics were really simplistic for Nice and Smooth. I mean, that was um Greg Nice's style you know but he liked it it was you know it was a vibe it was a flow so it made me think one sometimes can we really talk all the mess that we talk about some of these newer artists because you know that was a bop right there and he said ooh la la who we we like twice like this is just it. I'm gonna kill him with this and then I'm gonna come back with it. And we were witted. We sing that part out loud. Hi, <laughs> Andy.
1: It was pretty basic, but at least you could understand what he was saying.
0: That is facts. You could.
1: And uh it, it's so crazy because um I remember I'm not gonna put the artist out there. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna disrespect you. But uh I do remember listening to a old school classic West Coast. West I'm gonna just say songs songs. Okay. okay from a particular album of this artist and I remember just listening like These bars were ochre at best, but I swore it was the <coughs> hardest thing when it came out
0: man How our palette changes the other thing that I observed in listening to that There were so many commercial references I say butter, you say parquet. There was something else that he threw in there. And, you know, I mean, I suppose there are with different things like, you know, somebody could do a rap and throw in standing on business. And most people would know, I think, maybe what that was in reference to. But, I wonder, as you know views are splintered off, and people are niched down, but they're not, and not really paying attention over on the other side. Do those type of pop culture references, I know that we have them, but they stem from a different place, like those commercials that hit and everybody knows, because the commercial he was referencing at that time was pretty old. A lot of the commercial references and things they throw out were like commercials from the 70s and 80s that you would see when you were homesick from school and things like that. I wonder if there's that type of connectivity in hip-hop now, like... I can, you know, say I might miss it because I'm obviously not of that age group, but I wonder how they connect. And are things like that, you know, is that considered like an interlope? I know it's not. I'm being funny. But I just wonder when you're taking, you know, marketing sayings and things like that and flipping them Is that something that, because we are a litigious society, (laughs) one day we might see a rapper getting hit from back in the day like, yeah, you put our whole marketing campaign in your song and it was violent and we disagree. I just wonder, things that I think about. Continuing on the hip-hop subject that we were talking about earlier as far as Pete Rock saying that chasing the bag has ruined hip-hop, Little Yachty also spoke about hip hop not being in a good place. I think it was in November. He also said that he personally focused more on the creative aspect as opposed to the monetary side. I believe you, Yachty. Okay, so no, it's not Yachty, it's Uzi that had the pink diamond in his forehead, right? I wanna make I'm not I can't get my littles mixed up because we're talking about the money. And if you spend two million dollars to get a diamond Insult, um inserted into your forehead for whatever reason you might be focused on the bag but I actually think that that was Lil Uzi that did that um, but Yadi said because you know he has that podcast the state of hip-hop right now is a lot of imitation it's a lot of quick low quality music being put out it's a lot less risk-taking it's a lot less originality people are too safe everyone is so safe I'd rather take the risk than take the L. So, um, I don't know if I believe that because I think that the ones that do take the risk, they're overlooked. They kinda have, you know, maybe their own little fan base or they're in a corner of hip hop. But I don't know. Maybe Andy.
1: That was a little Yachty?
0: Little Yachty said that. Don't
1: nobody want to hear your opinion, Lil' Yachty. I'm sorry.
0: Even as many, because hasn't he written a couple of hits for people, doesn't
1: he? He's written a couple of hits, but I don't know. He just, he represents that generation where you could say hip hop has taken a downfall.
0: Do you think that maybe it's him looking around and seeing kind of where it's at and outgrowing what he used to think was acceptable? Um, I
1: mean, I, I like what he said. I understood what he said, but I just think, you know, he represents that generation, that you know, we not too fond of. So I don't I don't know if what he has to say holds any true, true weight
0: that if his but, peers are checking for it and taking that in.
1: Yeah. But then again, you know, you have, you know, a lot of the old heads, like you said, uh, what's the brother name you just mentioned just now? Uh, Pete Rock. Pete Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will call him a hater. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, where do you go? But I but I agree 100% with what Pete Rock has to say. I just I just don't want to hear from Lil
0: Yachty. <laughs> because I don't see him changing anything up or being a leader in that aspect. Yeah, I don't. I don't. That's okay. I mean, that's fair. That's something to think about. Um to your point, we also we talked about it a lot last year that hip-hop's impact as far as the charts go was different a little lesser in 2023 the first hip-hop album to go number one after i think it was 20 plus years it was in june it was little uzi vert's pink tape and before that the last number one hip-hop album came in december 22 and it was metro boomin's heroes and villains so you know maybe changing tastes are happening Maybe. Maybe we're in for a different sound. It could be time for a pop boom. I don't know. I do think though, you guys gotta stop saying K-pop's gonna take over. You know, no shade. no Maybe a little shade. I just feel like taking 90s R&B from black... And I realize that there are black producers and writers that are going and helping a lot of these K-pop groups. But you're not gonna get me to believe that bts or something like that is better than new edition in life you're just not just not no shade no tea
1: this new generation will say that
0: they absolutely will and that's why i said me personally me of myself in my opinion not just because i'm a grown-up just because i just feel like 90s because that's what they're doing 90s r&b a little 2000 and the routines and stuff um you can't have it even in you know your version of it you can do that I, when we come forward we're going to talk about a video that has been circulating online it is a video of some Japanese kids dancing, and I'll tell you what dance they're doing. And it's kind of along the lines of what I was talking about with K-pop and so forth. All of that on the other side. You're locked into RSVP with Joe Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: Infusing a sense of fun and entertainment in every episode, you're listening to RSVP with Joe Monroe on KBLA Talk
0: 1580. More when we come forward. You were locked into RSVP with Joe Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So I mentioned that there's a video, I believe it's in Japan, that took place. And so it's all Japanese kids. And they're crip walking. And they are, you know, dressed down in their dickies, flannels, bandanas, you know, with the um, beater's white undershirt. And that nature. Dressed, you know, like the imagery that we generally associate with crips right or gangsters they're doing the hand signs they probably don't know what they're really throwing up and and so there's always that conversation between paying homage and being a culture vulture for lack of a better term you know so I don't know because it's like you think about things like when Stefani when she had her Geisha dancers and stuff like that and other forms and it's like you want people to have an appreciation for other cultures and sharing things that we enjoy but it did feel a little icky watching the video it did kind of feel like really I, I don't know but I say that to say as far as um you know, the K-pop groups and things like that. I think, you know, clearly some of them are really talented and they get their choreography down. They look disciplined. But for me, it's always going to lack that thing because I feel like we're the secret sauce. And with that, even if you can give a good dupe, you still miss the real thing. It's just that one little off tape. So that's just my thought on that. Um, Rounding out our hip-hop conversation. Oh, I think I did that already. So shout out to that. Shout out to hip-hop. So it's an end of an era. After 27 years, Nike and Tiger Woods have parted ways. It is estimated that Tiger earned... 500 million dollars from his partnership with Nike. We know that as soon as he made the decision to go pro and turned 18, he signed on with Nike and really was a leading force in that industry. But as of late, there's no word right now where he will be signing or who he will be getting into business with. He released a statement and he said that Phil Knight's passion and vision brought this Nike and Nike golf partnership together. I want to personally thank him along with the Nike employees and incredible athletes I've had the pleasure of working with along the way. He also added, for over 27 years, we have had the honor to, oh, not he, Mike um, Steinberg, who is Tiger's agent, didn't share what the business decision was not to renew with Nike, but what we can say is that Nike has been pulling back over the past couple of years as far as manufacturing equipment and golf sales of their, you know, pair on those things. isn't It wasn't one of the category leaders for them. It's not something in the grand scheme of things that made them an extreme amount of money. So, um, you know, perhaps Tiger saw the writing on the wall and, wanted to do something else it is kind of crazy because you know tiger is another one that helped shape nike if you look over the course of the 90s you know tiger with the red polo and the hat making the fist those are iconic iconic images and you always think about a swoosh accompanying them somewhere around so we'll see how that relationship shakes out in the end, um, you know, it's so interesting. I didn't realize that Tiger Woods was forty-eight. Is he officially retired from golf yet? I know that golf is something that you can play for an extremely long time, but I also know that Tiger has had some issues because he was at one point in time, at one point in time, training like a Navy SEAL. And so his career, especially post the phone call and the revelation about his relationship, has been interesting to me. Um, I'm not, you know, a golf expert in that I can make an assessment as to whether or not I think that he will be able to make a comeback. But it is just interesting watching how all of these pieces are coming together and shake down um, as we advance through time. So there's someone that has pitched themselves to become the new face of Nike golf. And, you know, listen, believe in yourself. Anybody can have a shot. Ja Rule posted himself in a video on Twitter on Monday, and he was in the video using a driver. It's important to note that that is the club meant for long-range golfing. But he was on... A putting green, which you use a different club because you're exercising your short game. So maybe he did that on purpose. Maybe it was two different moments of the day and he just decided to string them together. But um, Jabril's thrown his name in the hat. Perhaps he should work on his golf game first before he digs all the way off into that. Well, speaking of music, I know I mentioned last night that D'Angelo and Jay-Z have a nine-minute song that is dropping soon on the soundtrack for The Book of Clarence, which hits theaters on January 12th, and if the title, The Book of Clarence, didn't give you a clue, it is a comedy-esque, I mean, there's some dramatic parts, but I believe overall it's meant to be a comedy, I think um that deals in biblical times and it is about a man named Clarence who is played by Lakeith Stanfield who does not believe in God but decides that he is going to pretend to be a messiah not the messiah but a messiah to take advantage of people who believe in the goodness. So some people are upset. They feel like the subject matter is a little sacrilegious. It's wrong that they're mocking God. But um, I think they should check it out and see for themselves. What I will say is I went to the premiere on Friday, as I mentioned, and I definitely felt like it was a film I would have preferred to watch at home. Um, It was interesting in that I felt that it just kind of jumped into the story but didn't really set me up and I kind of didn't understand what I was watching initially but then you know as it got into it I settled in and I enjoyed it so the soundtrack we still have those is dropping as well and the soundtrack features a bunch of people that you know We like to hear from Doja Cat and Kodak Black have a song on there. James Samuel, who is the director and writer of this piece, also has some music on there because he was a hip hop artist first. So he incorporates his passion for music heavily into all the projects that he works on. And I can't help but wonder if, you know, we always joke about Black Jesus, Black Jesus, Black Jesus, and things of that nature is this kind of his version of that story or his answer in response to all of that on social media anyway back to the soundtrack georgia smith is also on it little wayne shabba ranks and buju banton have a song on the soundtrack so you know it might be worthwhile to check out if those names get you going um it really most of these are james tracks with the featured of the other artists, Kid Cooties, also on there, and a few others. So, check that out. As I said, the film comes out Friday. So, um, get into it. Listen, coming up in hour three, you know, hour three is the after hours. So, that's where we get into topics that are a little more salacious, a little more, um, you know, out there. And Kelly Price is an interesting, interesting singer. She decided to take to social media to let the people know why she left Sunday Best. And what she had to say is basically she was surrounded by heathens. So we're going to get into Kelly's comments and what she had to say on the other side. And who exactly were the other judges on the panel with her during this time period where she's saying it was nothing but debauchery surrounding her and she had to go. We're also going to get into some comments Chuck D made in support of Madonna. thought this was an interesting conversation and so we're going to get into what he had to say and his defense of her. We're also going to talk a little bit about Family Matters star Darius McQuarrie. He had some comments about Corinne's Stephens, you know, that was Superhead back in the day. We'll get into that on the other side. All of that more, you're locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.